the uh, our uh, fellowship tonight at 5:30. Um, bring your favorite uh, Super Bowl-y type uh, foods to share, and uh, maybe some drinks. Uh, I don't think there's any uh, tea or anything down there, so uh, may uh, put that on your list and. Uh, Next Sunday, the Gideons will be here with us, so uh, we're looking forward to that. And um, so, if you have your Bibles, if you uh, turn to Revelation chapter 2, we continue looking at these uh, seven churches, and we're on church 4. The church at Thyatira. And we mentioned that we see um, a lot of uh, all seven of these churches in in us, uh, parts of the good parts and part of the bad parts. Uh, and in the church of Thyatira, there is some uh, good, uh, and then there's some not so good, um, you know, as well as we. Um, you know, work uh, toward that. And so uh, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse uh, 18. It says, And to the angel of the church at Thyatira write, These things says uh, the Lord, Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know your works, uh, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works... The last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and with all the churches uh, shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, As they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast uh, that hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give the power to overcome nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my father, and I will give to him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have a a reminder uh, here of, uh, and just because the culture was so much different uh, than ours and we don't know much about uh, the uh, ancient world, uh, so we need to have a little bit of... um, I guess, context. Uh, We know of Thyatira because, uh, remember, one of Paul's converts, Lydia, 
uh, was from Thyatira. Uh, she was a, a purveyor of fine purple uh, linens, and that area was known for its, um, you know, its fine, um, it, this Turkish red dye that came from a, a root plant, uh, and for purple was a, considered a, a shade of red. Um, I guess it kind of is. Um, but what uh, we need to understand about uh, the city was that it had a God, each city, little city had its own little god, and uh, Thyatiris was no different. Its god was called Tyrumnus, uh, who was a sun god. Uh, and you know, each of these gods had their feasts, and uh, the, the feast included uh, sexual promiscuity and, and all kinds of crazy. Uh, stuff, uh, and to be a part of that guild or part of that society meant you had to participate in those rituals, and if you didn't, uh, you you would kind of be seen as as an outcast. And so Christians faced a you know a serious uh, decision to make: uh, were they going to compromise what they knew was right, or were they going to stand apart from the world and not participate? Uh, in, in idol worship and in uh, immorality, things that God said was wrong. Um, and so uh, some in the church apparently suggested, hey, it's not really all that harmful if we just give in to the, you know, go along with them when it's not Sunday, it's not that big of a deal, but we'll still come to church. Uh, in other words, they wanted to have it both ways. Well, Jesus reminds us uh, in the church at Thyatira, you can't have it both ways. Uh, you, you can't straddle the fence. You can't serve God on Sunday and then live like the rest of the world you know, through the week and expect that God's okay with it. Um, and so, um, you know, and we face that same uh, situation oftentimes in our own world today. Uh, there are times we're called to remain faithful, and we see it within some churches and even entire denominations that compromise on the standards of Scripture uh, for the sake of political correctness or to fit in or to be, uh, to have, um, you know, um, be, be accepted uh, by society. Um, and so I think we can learn some lessons from the church at Thyatira. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll hear an admon the admonitions from the Lord. And uh, the first thing I want us to see this morning is, first, Jesus commends the church, and so we see the glory of a growing church. He said, the church at Thyatira, I know your, your deeds. I know all about you. I know your patience. I know your works. I know your long-suffering. You know, I, you know, I know that you're right in the middle of, you know, Satan's den, and yet you are fighting the good fight. You're, you're still there. Uh, and so um, he says, listen, you, you, I know your service, your love, your works. He says, you know what, and what's, you're growing in those things. He said, your works, the last works are greater than the first ones. 
What he's meaning by that is, hey, you're growing in, in doing what it is to be a child of God. Uh, you, you've got some um, numerical growth, but you've also got some depth growth. In other words, you're growing in your knowledge of Christ, and you're deepening in your relationship with Christ. And that's what God desires for the church, that we um, would deepen in our walk with Christ, that it wouldn't just be a, a superficial uh, habit or tradition that we observe, but it would be a relationship that we nurture. And as we grow in Christ, guess what happens when members of a church are growing in Christ? The church, the whole that they're a part of, that local body of believers, naturally grows with them. Uh, we, you know, and so, uh, and that's just how it works. Um, so, so he says, I know your service, I know your works, I know the love that you have for, for me and for others. Those are good things, and that's what the church, by the way, should be known for. For its love, and for its works, for its making a difference in its community and in the world. We understand that the church was not called to be the frozen chosen, but we are called to go, and we're called to be. Christ builds the church, but we have a part to play in that. It's ultimately Christ that gives the increase. Paul said, you see, you know what, some water, some plant, some water, some give the fertilizer, and some harvest. But all the increase comes by the hand of God. And the same is true today in 2022, uh, that it's God that gives the increase, but God expects his church, uh, the, the local church collectively, but also those that make up the local church, God expects them to be growing. And the truth of the matter is, if you're not growing, you're dying. And that's true in our relationship with Christ. That's true in, in church corporate life. It's true in the, the church as a whole around the world. And God says, keep growing. In other words, keep nurturing your relationship with me. Keep doing what it means to be my child. Well, what are some of those things? What are those works? Let's talk just a minute about what some of those things might be. Prayer. Do we believe prayer is important? Yeah, we believe prayer is important. And we practice prayer. But if prayer is just you know, a 30-minute or 30-second prayer rather than when we get up saying, Lord, help me today, or a quick prayer before we eat. If those are the only times we pray, we're in trouble. And we're anemic in our relationship with Christ, but unfortunately, that's all the prayer that a lot of uh, Christians ever mutter. And if the only thing we ever pray about is those that are sick, and we should pray for the sick. In fact, Scripture admonishes us that we're to pray for the sick. The Bible, uh, James also says that the prayers of a righteous man uh, availeth much. In other words, does a lot of good. God expects that we pray. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. He didn't say if you pray, he said when. So he expects you to do it. And our prayer needs to be, you know, we need to have some time, not just when we ask God for stuff, but that we listen to God. Understanding that prayer is communication with God. 
And communication is a two-way street, not a one-way street. And yet most so often we don't take time to listen to God. We're so busy in our prayers and we're so, um, you know, concerned that we get out our list that we don't take time to hear from him, and that's quite unfortunate. And so we need to grow in our, our prayer, and our prayers need to become deeper than, Lord, just bless us food and help uh, Sister Sue get better. Um, but needs to, you know, uh, pray about the things that God's concerned about, the lost, and those that are hurting, uh, the things that are, are going on in our world. Uh, There's a lot of junk going on in our world. And rather than wasting time complaining about it, because that doesn't do a bit of good, but you know, give us high blood pressure and ulcers, when our response should be to pray about it and ask God to intervene and, and to have his will. Uh, it, growing in acts of service, serving others. And, and the more that we know Christ and the more we fall in love with him, the more we realize and understand it's not about us. It's about Christ, and it's about loving and serving others. The more we become less and the more Christ becomes real in our lives, the more evident that is. And we all should be growing in holiness and love in service, and you know, those are the works of the child of God. Uh, so not just a matter of working just for the matter of works, because we're not saved by works. May I tell you what works are? Works are a reflection of our relationship with Christ. And if there's anemic works in our life, it means that our relationship with Christ is anemic. If we're barely serving Christ, that means our relationship with Christ is barely hanging on. And so that's, Paul reminds us, he, he says, stir up the gifts that Christ gave you and the love that Christ gave you. To stir it up and to uh, keep it alive and, and fresh. So we find the glory of a growing church. That's what God is, is well pleased with, is when we're serving him, not when numbers are, you know, because numbers are not what it's about. It's about a relationship. And when we're growing with a, our relationship with God and we're where he wants us to be, we're right where we need to be. And our relationship with Christ is growing. But then secondly, we also find here in uh, this church, in these verses as we look at the church at Thyatira, the demise of a compromising church. He had these good things to say about him, said, hey, listen, there's some things you're doing good, but their report card was not all straight A's. You know, they had some A's, uh, but they had some D's and F's too, and some pretty glaring ones. And what the trouble was, was that they became corrupt and, and compromising. And, you know, so he said, you know, I have these, th a few things against you. And he uses uh, the illustration of a name of a woman named Jezebel. And I'm not sure that this woman's name was actually Jezebel. I think that 
She could just, that could just be a nickname, if you will. Because remember who Jezebel was in the Old Testament. Um, you know, that, that's where the, we find the, the, her, that name first uh, in the Bible. She was not an Israelite, uh, but King Ahab, remember, uh, took uh, Jezebel as his wife. Um, and that was against what God had said. And Jezebel was, you know, a, you know, she worshipped false gods. And guess what happened when Ahab married Jezebel? Is Israel began to worship false gods too. And they began to compromise. And that was the ultimate downfall. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and led to the destruction of both the northern and the southern kingdom of Israel. Up until his reign, the kingdom was divided. I, I mean, united. But that is what, you know, the time when the kingdom was divided. It was because some of them began to compromise and say, you know, hey, it's not so bad that we worship God and these other things. Well, what did God tell them? He said, I am a jealous God. Have no other gods but me. And he said, don't make graven statues and bow down to them. But guess what Israel began to do? They began to have some idols that they bowed down to. And they began to have some other gods beside it. Now they still had Jehovah there. But they said, eh, we'll have Jehovah plus. And so that's much better because we've got more than one. Well, in human thinking, you listen, if you've got more than one, you've, that's better. But that's not always the case. And so God says, listen, I have this, that you have allowed this uh, false teacher uh, that has led you to compromise, uh, and led you into being okay uh, with immorality and to be okay with eating things that were offered to idols. Hey, you, th you think that's okay. Well, God has already told us on a couple occasions, haven't he? He's mentioned the Nicolaitans. And we don't know that this Jezebel was a Nicolaitan, but she very well could have been. Uh, because she was doing the same things that they did. And just as the Lord hated the Nicolaitans, the Lord hated Jezebel and hated the, the, the works of the church at Thyatira that were in line with that. He was pleased with the things they were doing that were holy and honoring of Christ, but he hated the things that they were doing that compromised and corrupted his word and his people. So he says, you know what? I am going to put her on a sick bed. In other words, disease is going to come. I'm going to judge her. He said, I have given her an opportunity to repent, and she's refused. And so she's going to end up dying. She's going to find judgment, but not only she's going to find judgment, but those that participate with her are going to find the same fate. And her children are going to find the same fate. And it wasn't God being, you know, unfairly cruel. It was that sin destroys always. 
And compromise and corruption is sin. And so, you know, God gave uh, those that were committing these sins opportunity to repent, to turn away from that, and turn back to God, and yet they refused. So he said, you know what? The time and their opportunity for repentance is over. And now it's time for judgment. A reminder that, you know, it's when we are away from our fellowship with God, you're miserable. The most miserable person on earth is a child that's out of fellowship with God. Because they know what they're missing. And they know what's expected of them and know the love that God has for them and know that they're rejecting Him. And so, he says, listen, there is... Uh, you know, it seems like they're okay, but listen, I see what they're doing, and it's not good, and judgment's going to come upon them. I've given them opportunity to repent, and they've not repented, so judgment is going to come. And he also said, you know what, church, you are complicit in that, and you bear some of the guilt as well because you allowed it. So he's, he's not just, you know, um, speaking against Jezebel and those that are following her ways. He's speaking to the church. Saying, church, you should have done something about it. You knew what she was doing was wrong. And you allowed it. And so you've corrupted true doctrine. He says, you know what, people are going to know because I'm a they're going to know that I'm the God that sees and I don't just see outside actions, I see hearts. And Jezebel's heart was not right with the Lord which led to her actions being wrong. You see, the reality is most of the time the, the snare and the, the deep trouble of, of sin does not start just on the outside. It starts on the inside. And as our heart wanders away from God, and we allow compromising to come in, and we say, you know what, yeah, I love God, but I'm going to love this world too, and I'm going to love these other things, that begins to reflect outwardly in our words and in our deeds. And God sees that, and he knows that. And that's why he's, you know, scriptures are so adamant that we keep our hearts pure. It's because the, the heart, what's the, what we spend our time and what we focus on, what we give our allegiance to affects every area of our life. And that's why Jesus said, you know, unless a, a man hate his father and uh, mother, he cannot meet him. It wasn't that he was saying you have to forsake your family. What he was saying was, you have to love me more than you love anyone else. And what he's saying is our, when our relationship with God is where it's supposed to be, then everything else will filter out, you know, work its way out. Because the main thing is where it's supposed to be. But when the main thing gets off kilter, everything else is off kilter. When you're building the house, if that cornerstone's off just a little bit, 
you ain't going to have a straight house <laughs> by the time you and it may at the beginning just be an itty bitty bit but by the time you get to the end of the house it's not just an inch or two it's it's several feet and that creates great problems doesn't it and it's the same in our walk and our relationship with Christ that Christ wants us to be near him he wants us to be growing in him and as we're growing in him that means the things of this world become less and less and less until ultimately we get to heaven and all that remains is him and so there's the demise of a compromising church but then lastly I'm glad he, he ends on a pretty good note he, he talks about next and last uh, to the church of Thyatira the victory of a faithful church so you know people are are compromised and they're corrupt and um, they're going to be given according to what their works are and so he says in verse 24 now I say to you and to the rest of Thyatira as many as don't hold to uh, Jezebel's ways in other words to those that aren't compromising and corrupting uh, my church I'm not going to lay any other burden on you other than keep the things that you know to keep doing he said yes you're in the, the belly of Satan and he said the same thing to the church uh, up above him in uh, Pergamos he said listen you are fighting and you're right in the middle of strongholds of Satan. But don't let Satan in the door. Don't let him come in and corrupt you the way that he's corrupted and destroyed this world. So he says, hold fast to what you have. In other words, you continue on in the things that you know to do. And those good things that you're doing, what were those good things? It was love and service and those works of faithfulness. And um, He said, continue to hold on to those things. Until I and when uh, you remain and you keep those things until the end, you'll reign with me. He said, because as I've received from my Father, I will give to you. And then he closes. Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You say, you know what? Yes, church, you can win and you will be victorious if you don't let the devil into the church. If you remain faithful and you're growing in your relationship and you're refusing to compromise and be corrupted, he says you will have victory. But if you give up and you quit fighting the good fight, you're going to lose. Remember that in the beginning, in chapter 1, there's this symbol of a light, uh, a candlestick a light pole that each church has 
And in he reminds us that, you know what, there's a danger in those lights being snuffed out because of unfaithfulness. But Jesus says, remember that if you hang strong and if you endure till the end, you'll find victory. You'll win the war. Because, not by your strength. And not by your works, but by my strength, by my power. So he says, listen, how do we do it? We do it by the Spirit. We live according to the Spirit. We allow God's Holy Spirit to live inside of us and empower us and direct our paths. That's how we find victory. Not by listening to this world, not letting the world in. Not by saying, well, it doesn't really matter, we'll just compromise this little bit. Well, both the church at Pergamos and the church at Thyatira had instances and, and elements where it compromised God's truth and let the world come in. Jesus said, you know what, I see what you're doing. And he's reminding us he knows the good and the bad. And he sees it. And he loves and he's honored by the good. And he hates the bad so much they say, you know what? Uh, and we're going to see next time. He's going he's to say, listen, I'm going to snuff you out. He says to the next shirt, truly, he says, I'm going to vomit you up uh, if you don't change your ways. But he reminds us over and over again through these seven messages to the church that he wins. Remember that the book of Revelation is a book to a church that's being persecuted and you know the culture and the world is crushing in against it and wants to undo it. And so uh, the book of Revelation is a reminder from God, hang in there. That though this world is fighting against you, you ultimately are the one that's going to have the victory. And we have the end of the book, and we know who wins. And it's not Satan. And it's not this world. Satan's bound in the eternal lake of fire and torment, and this world is destroyed, done away with, and God brings a new heaven and a new earth. And so it's a reminder to the church to remain faithful. We oftentimes need that reminder because, listen, all of us face times regularly when we want to throw in the towel and give up. Say, so you know what? It's just not worth living this Christian life. And it's not worth, uh, you know, being different. It's not worth being persecuted. Although we in America really don't know what persecution is, uh, we sometimes feel persecuted. And we, we want to give up. Listen, yeah, sometimes serving the Lord's hard. It's not hard to know what we're supposed to do. But because of the world that we live in and because of this bent towards sin that we still have snared in us, it's hard to do what's right. But it's not hard to know what right is. As long as we're connected to God. And the more we can keep the devil out, don't let him in the door, the less we have to fight with those temptations and battle those things of, of compromise and sin. 
So I think the church at Thyatira reminds us, as well as these churches that we've looked at beforehand, that, hey, listen, hang in there. Keep doing what you know is right and keep rejecting that which is wrong. And again, we know that by letting the Spirit of God guide us and by knowing and reading in God's Word. God's Word is His revelation to us to help us And if we never read it and we don't know it, how do we expect to know what's right and wrong? But the more we read it and the more we know it, the better we're able to say when when Aaron or Seth stand up here and say something crazy off the wall, we don't fall for it. We say, listen, that's not what God's Word says, you nut job. You better get that corrected uh, right quick. And so we need to know God's Word. We need to study God's Word. And more, most importantly, we need to live according to God's Word. And when God's Word says something's right, it's right. And that settles. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Thankful God didn't take a public opinion poll before he gave his Word. He just said, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say, hey, would it be all right if we said it this way? He didn't do that. Like uh, he said to John, he said, John, I want you to write down the things that you see. Not, hey, John, just write down what you think you might want to, what, what might fit, what might be not uh, upset apple cart too much. Just go ahead and write that. That's not what he said. He said, you write down exactly what I tell you and exactly what you see and live for me and you will be victorious. So victory in Jesus, again, is something that we're to not just sing about and not just something we know in, that we're going to know in heaven, but something that we know personally here in this life because God wants to give us victory, and he will if we're faithful to him. So I hope God will encourage us with that. Let's stand together this morning. Uh, remember, prayer requests, we have a lot of folks uh, sick and uh, several po- battling COVID and some other things and uh, some folks traveling today, but uh, remember, especially those that are sick, uh, and uh, there's new brother George that's missing.